0: All right, good morning, everyone. Everyone there? Good morning. There we go. Good to see you all today. So um, we're going to be in Romans 13, and we're going to start out with something, um, stir the pot a little bit. So I'm going to put some names of elected officials on the screen. And uh, I want you to just think what, what comes to your mind first when you see these names. Now, I beg you, do not make any outward comments, okay? I trust you that you won't do that, okay? But we're just going to roll these, okay? Go to the first one. First thing that comes to your mind, next. Keep them rolling. All right, good. Good. Good, good, good. We, I don't want to give you too much time to make comments here. Um, my guess is that we didn't think a lot of honoring thoughts, if we're honest, about some of those people who are in office. And um, My guess is that we didn't think, man, how could I show them some more respect? Or how could I pray for them more? I'm just, I'm just going to venture to guess that that wasn't the first thing we thought. However that's what God calls us to in Romans 13, especially if we don't agree with them, especially if we don't like them. So let's turn to Romans 13. We're going to be covering Romans 13, 1 to 7, and I just need to forewarn you, this scripture in the the hyper-politicized culture we're in right now is really going to feel more like a kick in the face than a warm hug to us. Okay, so I'm I'm just forewarning you, but here's what I want you to know. This is This is my heart, and this is God's heart, I believe, in this passage, that he just wants to help us walk in his good ways. And that's all I want as well. I just want to help everyone walk in God's good ways that are meant for our good and for his glory. So with that, let's take a look at it. Romans 13, verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. The command here, right away in verse 1, is to submit to governing authorities. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. And the rest of this passage is describing that, giving some whys. Why should we submit to governing authority and, and how can we do that? But this is, this is the main command. And I realize that that, that, that phrase is, is, is charged. Okay, so let's, let's start with submission. Let's break this down a little bit. For followers of Jesus, submission... Is what it means to walk with Jesus. Following Jesus begins and ends with submission. See, Jesus submitted himself to his father by going to the cross. We submit in response to that in order to present ourselves to him. It's what we saw a couple weeks ago in Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, because of what he has done and he submitted himself to God, we should do the same. We should present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Following Jesus requires sacrificial living. And in chapter 13, Romans 13, it's saying that sacrificial living requires submitting to governing authorities. So you could say it like this, following Jesus requires submitting to governing authorities. Or put another way, not submitting to governing authorities is not following Jesus. This is how critical this is. This is Romans 13:1 to 7 isn't just a side note for Paul. You can't, you can't read Romans 12:1 and amen, that, and go, yeah, live a life of sacrifice and then reject re- reject Romans 13:1 to 7. Submission to government is actually part of that life of sacrifice. Now, submission should, as, as Christians, if, I'm, I'm assuming if you're a believer in Jesus, if you're not, we're really gonna struggle with this, but we all struggle with this concept of submission. It goes against our sin nature, but as Christians, we should increasingly not have submission be a bad word to us, even though it is in our culture. Now, here's the types of things that we start to say when we resist submission to authority particularly when we resist God's structures that are set up for our good. Here's the things we start to say and believe. We go, marriage, marriage between one man and one woman for life, that's old fashioned. We go, my gender, it's my choice. We go, kids, go ahead and do whatever you want. We go, boss, get off my case already and government, get off my back. Now listen, I know, I know I just said some pretty, some pretty um, bold things, but here's what you need to know. I struggle with resisting God's good structures in my life. Most days, I would rather let my kids run wild, if I'm honest with you, it's challenging for all of us to submit to God and the structures that he sets up that are actually for our good. But it's hard for us to do that as Christians. I get it. But he is so gracious with us in the process. Here's what you need to know. It is a process. We're talking about submitting to government today. But that, that is a process where we, where we, we come alongside this and, and really live in it. But God is so gracious with us in that process. But God set up all of those structures that I just mentioned for our good and for his glory. This is the the path to true freedom. And if we reject God's structure of government, then we might as well throw the rest of those structures out. That's what I'm getting at here. Submission should be the rule, not the exception with government. There are very few circumstances where we should not submit to governing authorities. We should be slow to civil disobedience and quick to civil obedience. But that begs the question: the question when should we not submit to governing authorities? And I don't want to stay on this too long because the text doesn't focus on this. It's it's pretty focused on hey just submit to governing authorities. Um, but I think very simply put, we should not submit when they're asking us to do something clearly unbiblical. Great example, if they tell us not to talk about Jesus, we go ahead and talk about Jesus anyway. Paul did that in the book of Acts over and over and kept getting thrown in jail. There's an example. Now, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole too much. But again, what the text is saying here is that it needs to be clearly unbiblical and it should be the exception, not the rule. Now, what I want you to remember is that Paul is writing to the church in Rome, okay? Now, Rome, at this time, was under an emperor. This is the governing authority that Paul is telling them to submit to. And it's, it's believed that this particular emperor was the emperor, emperor Caligula. Now, I, wanna, I, I stole this from Pastor J.D. Greer um, just to give credit where credit is due. He has a great series on the book of Romans, by the way, that you would, you would enjoy if you want further study. But um, he, he found this out about Caligula, and I fact check, this is all true. So Caligula, the governing authority that Paul's saints submit to, Caligula had his mom and his brother killed to make sure that they didn't ever challenge his right to the throne. I mean, how insecure do you have to be? Okay? Oh, mom might take the throne from me. Oh, my brother, I'll just have him killed. This is the governing authority he's saying to submit to. Caligula openly committed incest with three of his sisters. Caligula frequently would cross dress and go out in public. Caligula installed his favorite horse in Cetaceous as a senator. Okay? Here's Senator Horse. What? And then later he promoted him to consul. Caligula... Once got mad at the weather, which I understand. I get mad at the weather sometimes. Today is one of those days. Caligula once got mad at the weather and declared war on Neptune, the Roman god of the sea. And he ordered soldiers from the Roman army to whip the waves and bring home seashells like plunder from his domain. We showed you weather, right? We showed you Neptune. Caligula had the heads of statues of deities removed and replaced them with... the head of his own. Okay, so imagine modern day. Imagine if President Trump or President Biden, while they're in office, superimposed their face on every statue of Jesus in Washington. That's what he was doing. It would be like that. This guy was nuts. Okay, this is the authority that God, or that, yeah, that God is saying that they should um, submit to. And one more thing about Caligula Often during gladiator games, which were cruel enough, if you know anything about that, um, he would take random people from the crowds and throw them into the arena to be attacked by the wild animals just to entertain himself. Okay, just here, get in there. (laughs) This is the ruler of Rome at the time. Paul's saying that submission should be our knee-jerk reaction, knowing full well who he's talking about when he writes this to the Roman church. If they had to submit to that, I don't think we have any clue how radical this command is in America. We get to vote our officials in. So the command here is to submit to governing authorities. But Paul understands that we're gonna have a hard time with this. So he gives us five whys and three hows. So the first why, why submit to governing authorities? Then to verse two, it says, there's no authority, <clears throat> excuse me, except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Why? Why submit? Because God put everyone in authority. All government is God's government. See, we need a, a, a mindset shift. When I, when I submit to government, it's like I'm submitting to God directly. God put government in place, so I'm trusting Him by submitting to governing authorities. It, it's a lot like we talked about a couple months ago um, with, with the family structure that God has put into place, like wives submitting to husbands, kids to parents, employees to bosses. And in, in Colossians 3, it, it backs this up. Here's why you should do it, because it's like you're submitting to God. Colossians 3.18 says, wives, submit to your husbands. Why? As is fitting in the Lord. Here's why you do it. Because it's like you're submitting to God himself. A couple verses down, verse 20, children, obey your parents in everything. Why? It pleases the Lord. We submit, kids, not first and foremost so that our parents are happy, but because we're submitting to God. It pleases God. And then verse 22, bond servants or a modern-day application would be, um, would be workers or employees obey in everything those who are earthly masters, not by way of eye service, as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Fearing the Lord. It's a mindset shift for us. As as we submit to government, as we submit in these different ways in life, we're submitting to God. 1 Peter 2.13, Peter backs this up. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. He's talking about governing authorities as well there. For the Lord's sake, God placed this authority as a leader in my life. So when I submit to them, it's like I'm submitting to God directly. Really, this is, this is the only thing that gets me to submit to governing authorities some days. And it's true for most of us, right? Outside of that, I just want to do my own thing. I don't want to listen to the government. I don't want to listen to my parents. I don't want to, if, if I'm a kid, I don't want to listen to my boss. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to submit at all. But, but if we're doing it with this mindset of, okay, I'm submitting to God. He is king of my life, king of my heart. It changes the game for us. God put everyone in authority. On top of that, God put them in authority. That person that you don't like or agree with, God put there. Now I want you to stop and think, it probably won't take you much time. And again, please don't say this out loud. I want you to stop and think, who's that person for you? Who's that elected official that you just struggle with? that you don't agree with, you don't like. You probably have it already. I'm not even going to give you time. Think about it like this. God put them in authority. God put blank in authority. We need, we need to let that sink in a little bit. It definitely doesn't mean that God is responsible for their sin. All I'm trying to say is, is that God wastes nothing. He uses it all. And we need to let this truth not lead us to distrust of God but rather to a greater confident trust in God. See, God is working something good out of even that guy or that gal. God's working something good out of them. That's how incredible he is, amazing and sovereign he is, that he can work good things even out of rulers that we don't agree with and don't think are ruling correctly. But what about tyrannical authorities? What about tyrants who just abuse their power? We've seen a lot of that throughout history. I want you to consider for a second what God says about Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon during the time of Daniel. That's where we get the book of Daniel. And this is when God's people are in exile under this authority. Here's what God says. Jeremiah 27, 4-7. Give them this charge for their master's. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. God's talking. This is what you shall say to your masters. It is I who, by my great power and my outstretched arm, have made the earth with the men and animals that are on the earth, and I give it to whomever it seems right to me. Now I, get, I have given all these lands into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. And I have given him also the beasts of the field to serve him. All the nations shall serve him and his son and his grandson until the time of his own land comes. Then many nations and great kings shall make him their slave. Nebuchadnezzar, who threw. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Rakshak, and Beni, threw them into a fiery furnace just because they wouldn't bow down to an idol. That's the tyrant of a king, King Nebuchadnezzar was. That guy, God is saying, is my servant. I can't stand here and give you an airtight case for why God puts King Nebuchadnezzar type people in place. But I can tell you that God called even Nebuchadnezzar his servant. I can tell you that Daniel did civilly disobey when necessary, but I can tell you also that Daniel and his friends showed honor and respect even in the process. This is an incredible example for us today. Go go look at Daniel, the book of Daniel. They're under this crazy tyrant, and they show respect and honor while at times having to civilly disobey. Definitely one of the many good things that God brought out of Nebuchadnezzar's sinful leadership was giving us this great example in the book of Daniel that we have in our Bibles today. God put everyone in authority, even them, even Nebuchadnezzar. Number two, why submit to governing authorities? Resisting governing governing authorities is resisting God himself. Verse two, therefore... Whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. This is kind of the negative side of the argument made in verse 1. Verse 1 is saying submitting to government is the same as submitting to God. Now he's saying in verse 2, resisting government is the same as resisting God. See, we all need to rethink our relationships with leaders in our lives. See, kids... When you refuse to wash the dishes like your mom asked you to, you're actually resisting God. Employees, when we cut corners that our boss told us not to cut, we're actually resisting God. And Iowans, when we litter, we're resisting God. Now, I just learned this this week, okay? Did you know it is a $70 fine to throw a Bebop's burger wrapper out your window? or any other type of litter, $70 fine. Okay, it's actually against the law to do that. And when we do that, it's not like we're just going, yeah, whatever, we're resisting God. Alistair Begg, a pastor in Cleveland, said this, the Christian citizen is not to be a grumbler. The Christian citizen is not to be a complainer. The Christian citizen is not to regard government as a necessary evil. The Christian citizen is to be exemplary in whatever environment in showing people what it means to live in obedience to this government given by God. So in light of that, what's your reputation as a citizen of the United States? What's your reputation as a citizen of Iowa, of Boone, Ogden, Dayton, wherever you live? Are you known as a grumbler and complainer or as an example of obedience. We submit to governing authorities because resisting them is like resisting God. Number three, why do we submit to governing authorities? Because God set this up for our good. Verse three, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. First, I just want to know that Paul's addressing normal circumstances or ideal circumstances here in verse 3 in the beginning of verse 4. Obviously, some rulers actually are a terror to good. People are sinful and they abuse power. We, I mean, just look at the news, right? But ideally, they are there for the general well-being of the citizens, We need to submit to them because God placed them there for our good. That's why he set this up. They're a gift of of what theologians call common grace. Grace is just an unearned gift from God. Common grace just means that it's a gift to everyone, believer and unbeliever alike. Common grace is shown through governing authorities. So I just want to ask you this morning, is this how you view government officials and government workers? that God set them up for our good. Is this how you teach your kids to view government officials and, and government workers? You say things like this, hey, God gave us police for our good. God gave us firefighters for our good. God gave us city councilmen and city councilwomen for our good. God gave us state and federal officials for our good. God gave us judges for our good. Is that how you view them? Now, now here's here's the thing. I understand that people in all levels of government have made headlines, especially in this last year. So I, I, I'm I'm not saying that the, the the wrong that they've done is right. It's not. Not doing what's good and right in their God given position is not okay. And I'm not saying we be ignorant or insensitive to that. Those situations require the empathy and love that we saw in Romans 12 last week. I'm just trying to help us have the view that God is calling us to here in his word, though. Verse four says, he or she is God's servant for your good. That's what God says. Is that how we view them? The normal attitude that we're called to toward government officials and workers is that God placed them there for our good. Number four. Submit to governing authorities, because there are consequences from God if you don't. End of verse 4. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. See, here it follows logically that the consequences would be from God. See, if these officials were put there by God, and then resisting them is like resisting God... Then you better believe that the consequences are like their consequences from God himself. Here's the bottom line with verse 4. Your speeding ticket is a consequence from God. God enacts his justice and his wrath through the governments that he sets in place. It is absolutely true that Romans 8:1 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? There's no punishment eternally. Sin is completely forgiven. We are not guilty. But here's what that verse does not mean. It does not mean that there's no earthly consequences to sin. We need to submit to governing authorities because natural consequences through the government here on earth will come to us if we don't receive them and view them as from God. Submit to governing authorities because there's consequences from God if you don't. Number five, submit to governing authorities so we're not crushed by guilt. Verse five, therefore one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. See, you walk with Jesus long enough, and quickly you realize that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction. And if you disobey the government, the Holy Spirit is not going to let you live with that very long. Okay. One of his roles, as we learned from John 16, is to bring conviction. And he does this so we can live free, not crushed by guilt. Now, when I think of this conviction, it, it made me think immediately of the first thing that I ever stole in my life. Okay. It's right here. Um, I don't even know what it's called, but I know this is the one, okay? It's something Hot Wheels, Monster, whatever. You push a lever on the back and it opens its mouth. I was at Big Bird Preschool, which in my opinion is the best name for a preschool. Who doesn't want to go to Big Bird, right? Big Bird Preschool, there's a big Big Bird on the front. I don't know, but it was, I don't remember too much about preschool in general. But I do remember that my friend had this and I wanted it. So I snuck it from him and stole it and brought it home. And my mom's like, where'd you get that, Matt? Like, uh, my friend gave it to me. So I lied on top of that. Um, confession right now, Mom. I don't think I've ever actually told you that. But uh, to this day, when I, when I see this picture, when I think about it, I feel conviction. Why? Because God made our conscience to feel guilty when we do wrong. And then when we become a believer, the Holy Spirit reinforces that even more. Why? So that we pursue and live in true freedom. And true freedom is found in submission. Submission to God, which means, according to this passage, submission to government. And we do it so we're not crushed by guilt. So we don't walk around and go, man, I didn't pay that fine. Man, I didn't pay my taxes. Man, I didn't do this or that. And live with that. He wants us to live free of that weight and that guilt in our minds and our hearts. So there's the whys. Now how do we do it? How do we submit to governing authorities? Well, Paul gives us three main ones here. The first is to pay our taxes and fees. Verse six, for because of this, you also pay taxes for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed. This is pretty straightforward. As Jesus said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Pay your taxes, pay your fees. And and I think that this, this verse means pay them honestly, pay them on time, and pay them in full. Okay, don't do, you know, uh, like kids do. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take care of cleaning up my room in 10 minutes. I'm just going to sit here and watch TV for 10 more minutes until they really get angry. No, we do, we do it right away. We do it on time and we do it in full. That's, that's what he's saying here. It's pretty straightforward. Pay our taxes, pay our fees. But what's cool is Paul even reminds us of the why once again, in these verses, it, it, Paul's just like, hey, I understand you're going to have a hard time with this. And I understand you don't want to. But verse 6, it says, for the authorities are ministers of God. He, he just upped his game. This whole time he's saying they're servants of God. Now they're ministers. This is the title reserved for priests in the Bible. That's how much all of government truly is God's government. Pay our taxes and fees. How else do we submit to governing authorities? We show them respect. Verse 7, it says, respect to whom respect is owed. You might be like, well, it says to give respect to whom it's owed. What if I don't think they're worthy of respect? Then you've totally missed the context of this whole passage. We are called to show them respect. Because it's owed to all governing officials. Okay, it's not now, he's not just turning a corner and saying, well, I guess if you respect them, if you, if you like them, you should show them some respect. No, the context is saying that they're all placed there by God. But here's, here's the differentiation. Showing respect is different than having respect for them. Showing respect is different than having respect. You may not respect them at all as a leader, and I think that is perfectly fine, but it doesn't really matter. We're called to show them respect. So here's a practical idea on how to show governing authorities respect. Let's, let's put these people back up here that I put up earlier. I want to propose to you that instead of using their names like this calling them Joe or Biden or Rand or Paul or Pelosi or Reynolds or whatever, Kimmy or whatever nicknames you have for them, right? I would propose that instead, whenever you talk about them, use their title. I think it's a way to show respect. Even while you're talking about things you don't like about them. Maybe especially when you're talking about things you don't like about them. When you see a headline, President Joe Biden. Helps change our mindset. Reminds us over and over again, oh yeah, God put them in position. God is king. Thirdly and lastly, how do we submit to governing authorities? We honor them. Verse seven honor to whom honor is owed, honor them. So I just want you to think do you honor governing authorities in your conversations, especially the ones you don't like? I want to challenge you. If you you just had a political conversation with someone and you're wondering, wow, did I honor God in that? I would just come back and read Romans 13, 1-7 again and, and, and ask myself, hey, did I live that scripture out in my conversation just now? Convicting, right? Especially when I disagree. But remember, why do we honor them? We honor them because honoring them is like honoring God himself. Of course we don't like it. Of course we don't want to. That's what sacrifice is. Now here's my practical idea for you on how to show honor. And it's simple. Pray for them. Pray for them as much or maybe even more than you talk about them. When you see a headline with a, with a politician, train yourself to not just tap on it or click on it, you can do that, but whenever you see a headline with a politician, train yourself to pray for them in that moment. They need it. Honor them by praying for them. Submit to governing authorities. Now ultimately, submitting the governing authorities is submitting to King Jesus. And and Jesus is the King of kings and he's, he's the Lord of lords. Think about this. Jesus holds nations in the palm of his hands. His thoughts are not our thoughts and his ways are clearly not our ways. He has all power. He has all authority and sovereignty over every earthly ruler that ever has been or ever will be. He reigns justly, without error. King Jesus reigns forever and ever, with no end. And he humbled himself to the point of death. He submitted himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. cross. So think of it like this. When you're submitting to government, you're submitting to King Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Even hard words like this. And I pray, God, that you would help us to live it out. I pray that you would help give us discernment on how to live it out. There are, there are times where we see things happening and we're like, I don't even know what that scripture means today. So give us people, wise people in our lives to help process this with who also have the Holy Spirit in them. Give us opportunities Lord, to submit to you and help us have this attitude, God, this attitude of submitting to the authorities you place in our lives and not being so quick to just rebel. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.